How's it going, everybody? We'd like to take a second to thank this week's sponsor, Sleep Terror Clothing. Sleep Terror Clothing is a dark-minded alternative streetwear brand that creates bold clothing and accessories for men and women. Featuring tattoo artwork, witchy and goth aesthetics to boost your dark and witchy energy. An item of theirs that I personally cannot wait to try is their Leviathan Cross Beard Oil. It's going to make my beard so nice to the touch considering I touch it about a hundred times a day. Sleep Terror Clothing is all about promoting self-love and encouraging you to follow your own path. Be bright, bold, and blasphemous. Hail yourself because you're worth it. Shop Strange at www.sleepterrorclothing.com and use our code FRIENDSGO for 10% off your order. Thank you so, so much again to Sleep Terror Clothing for sponsoring this week's episode. Now let's get into that incredible story of Darrow Chia. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Where Did All My Friends Go? Podcast about life in the music industry. Today, we got someone special, and, it, and it's not just our guest. We've got our good pal, Matt. He's coming in. He's co-hosting. Let's go. Let's hey! Go. Tell, Happy to tell be the here. peeps. Tell the peeps about you, Matt. Well, my name is Matt. Pat allowed me to come out of the, come out of the hiding, come out of the background, and 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 come here. And I can't. I'm very excited to be on this episode. I, I've learned a lot about Darrow here over the last couple of days. And I got some heavy hitter questions ready. Ooh, I'm ready. Am I ready for these questions? I, I think so. so. I think you got this. So today we've got pop punk recording artist Darrow Chia with us. Darrow, welcome to the show, man. Dude, thank you for having me on here. Thank you for, uh, you know, for rescheduling. I know we we ran into a bunch of scheduling issues during COVID. I just moved to LA. So my schedule has been hectic to say the least and yeah. downright fucking crazy at the most. It's just been a, it's been a journey for sure. <laughs> well, it's okay. Cause I think the last reschedule was my fault because I was dying. Um, that is not your fault. <laughs> I got really sick. I think that's what was it was it was either me or the family. I think I think it was your family. You told me your family was sick. Yeah. So it's one of the two because both happened pretty much back to back. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just I cannot been imagine. It's just been fun on fun. Yeah. Dude, you know what's crazy? Like when I first moved here, um so I moved here to LA the week the middle like the third week of july this year 2022 uh, and this is a whole fucking story but um i had just finished my tour and you know when you're on when you're on the road like you're not sleeping well you're not eating well you're hardly like keeping clean and like you know going to bars and meeting hundreds and hundreds of people like every other day so like of course you're gonna get sick right so right. not only like I finished, we finished our last show in Brooklyn on July 17th and on July 18th, the very next morning, we started driving to LA. Um, That's a long drive. And it, dude, it was <laughs> 3000 miles. It was, uh, it was, and we had to condense it in four days um, because I had a job starting 
on like the 21st or the 22nd. So I literally had four days to drive from New York to LA. And the second I got here, I started working. So it was, it's just been, it's just been nonstop. And when I, when I first got here, dude, I was so sick. I was like, I was coughing and sneezing and I had body aches and I'm like, oh, no. and the thing that sucks the worst was like, I can't, I can't call off on my first day because <laughs> the whole point of me coming here was to make it here for this day. Like I had to start on a specific day of work. And for me to just call off that day would be like, what's the point of even, I could have, I could have saved myself like all the stress just by saying, Hey, I can't make it in this day and give my, buy myself more time, you know? Yeah. So like, I had to swallow all my pride and all this, the mucus or whatever, and just like come into work. (laughs) And it was, it was brutal, man. That first week I was sick as a dog. I was having to learn a brand new job. It was not fun. I can't even imagine. So how, if you were to drive straight through, how long do you Mm -hmm. think it would take? Cause I know I've driven straight from uh, like up here in Duluth, Minnesota all the way to fucking Florida and to Providence, Ooh. Rhode Island. Both of those are like 24 hours. And so yeah, that's yeah. the middle of the country. So yeah, like yeah. 40 so, some hours. It on our GPS, when I put in the, when I put in the, the route, it was about 42 hours, oh. 42 hours of driving. Um, and this is like, you know, we made a couple of stops. We, we slept um, three nights. So we slept, we stopped one time in Cincinnati another time in i want to say oklahoma okay and then a third time in arizona and then from the next morning from arizona to to california we drew a street yeah so yeah it was a it was a pretty brutal drive and it was in the middle of the summer too it was really hot did did you also have a whole bunch of stuff you had to unpack before you went? no okay so here's (laughs) this this is the this is the other story about it is um the whole the whole reason why we opted to drive rather than flying was because we have animals we have pets so i have a dog mocha um and my girlfriend has two cats and so we just have furry animals that we can't like realistically put on a plane right um and so our car we just took an suv we drove my girlfriend's car and all we did was fill up fill it up with duffel bags so okay. really it wasn't like luggage. It wasn't gear. It wasn't like furniture. We, we, we actually put that in one of those like storage units that they ship across the country, like a container, shipping oh, okay. container, um, which is still in storage right now. But, <laughs> um, and yeah, so really it was just, we didn't really have to lug any gear. It was just the fact that we had animals, which is what caused us to have to drive in the first place. If that wasn't the case, I would have, I would have stayed home, packed a couple more days and flown. And that's the other thing too. When we left our apartment in Brooklyn, we weren't even fully packed yet. We still had a bunch of stuff left there. So like I, like after I left, because, because the way that everything worked out was I had, so we went on tour the first two weeks of July this year. Um, Mm-hmm. I've been planning this tour for like a year. And actually this was a tour that we planned for like 2020 and then COVID hit. So we had to like right. redo the tour. Um, so this tour was something that we planned years ago. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to cancel this. Like I was not going to stop. I was, I was not going to not do this tour. I didn't care to kill me. Like I wanted to do this tour. And when we were planning the tour, we booked the shows, we had the date set, everything was ready to go. And then like in May, so maybe two months before we like leave on tour, I get this job offer for here in California, in LA. And they're like, yeah, we want you to start on July 18. 
and I'm like, my last show was on the 17th in Brooklyn. Like, not only that, but like my last show, at, like I'll I will literally like leave the venue probably at midnight that night. Right. So technically the 18th, and I'm like, there's it's physically impossible for me to to make it to LA um, within like an hour from from New York City. Right. Um, so I, I you know I kept trying to push back the move uh, the start date because I was like, hey, like is there any flexibility on this? Or like, no, we need someone like as soon as possible. And so I like I didn't want this job offer to go away because it, it fit all the fit all the check marks that I needed in the job and um, including like healthcare and stuff like that. And so uh, I was like, okay, so July 17th is a Sunday, July 18th is a Monday, which is the day you want me to start. What about that following Friday, which I think was like the 21st or the 22nd. And they're like, that's tight. That's pushing it. But if you can come on Friday, get onboarded, you know, like submit all your documents, get your work laptop, and then you can start on Monday without having to do any of that stuff. I think that'll work. So uh, that was the plan. That plan was the Sunday night, finish my show in Brooklyn, Monday morning, start driving. Um, the issue with this is that because of where this tour, tour took place in the month, um, we had virtually no time to pack so like i and of course i was working full time right so like right. I, I would come home from work and get home and it's new york so it takes forever to get home on the subway so like i would get home at like seven eight o'clock pack for like two hours go to bed wake up rinse and repeat every single day um weekends were all rehearsals planning for the tour doing all the stuff getting merch ready all that crap and then and so like there was just so little movement in action in the actual packing department that by the time that we had left, I would say like half my apartment still was unpacked. And Damn. like I left, like I left, left. Like I hadn't even, I had not been back to New York since. Um, however, my girlfriend was flying back a couple of times because she had a wedding to go to. She had a, another gig to do. So she was like, oh yeah, I'll come back and, and I'll pack things and throw things away for you. But really what ended up happening was I just texted all my friends. I was like, hey, come raid my apartment and take anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I still had guitars there. I had like, an, like a Martin acoustic guitar there that I couldn't bring with me. I couldn't Damn. fit anywhere. Uh, I didn't want to put it in the storage unit because like I didn't want it to go through all of those changes in climate inside oh, yeah, of a storage yeah. Yeah, unit yeah, that yeah, like yeah. was and it's like an expensive martin guitar so i didn't want to put it through all that so i just texted my one of my guitar players like hey if you pick up my martin and just hold on to it for the next undetermined amount of time it's yours until i want it back and so that's basically what i ended up doing with all my gear i just lent it out to like my friends i'm like it's yours for now i'll come get it at some point um like, yeah. and so now i have one guitar and a laptop that's all i have right now and it's oh. it's the barest i've ever been wow oh, yeah it's pretty crazy well, so you told you 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 know we've talked a little bit about the last tour you went on. You also released your latest album, Accidents, yeah, back in back in August, which features the singles "Phoning In," "I'll Be Lost," "Want to Say Goodbye," and something I'm not used to. Tell us about the album and how the response been has been since its release. Oh man, that feels like so long ago. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah. it's what it's. It's, an, it's something that, yeah, really. Um, it's something that I've been working on for a while. Um, the I actually started recording songs for that album over over a year ago, maybe t like a year and a half ago. Because um, like some of the first songs that I released on that album were Signing Out and Used Me and Runs on Guilt. Um, and basically the idea was like, I went to this producer named Chris Crummett and... Uh, he, you know, he's known for like producing bands like Dance Gavin Dance and he's done like Sleeping with Sirens. And, and so he's 
great producer, great engineer, and is really fun to work with. Um, and he has a live-in studio in Portland. So when we go to record this, go go to record the songs, we like stay on the on like on the premises and just like basically live there for a couple of weeks. Right. Um, and so I started writing the songs for that album like during the pandemic. Um, and they were actually some of them were actually supposed to be on my other album, um, but on my other album, Songs of Recovery. Um, however, I learned very quickly with that first album, Songs of Recovery, that I don't like producing myself, that I don't like self-engineering or self-mixing. Um, I can do it for other people and actually enjoy that more. But when when I have to do when I have to like produce or work on my own music, I get it's so tedious, you know. Sure. And it loses its magic. Like it doesn't feel as exciting to you. It feels like a chore. And then it just doesn't become fun. Um, and I still have like those those weird feelings with that first album. I'm like, this could have been so much better if I wasn't so busy or if I did it by myself. And so there's like a little bit of, there's a, there's always a tinge of like, oh, man, I wish I would have done this, like um, hindsight 2020. Um, and so I, the other songs that I wrote at the time, I'm like, these songs are a little too good for my level of production. And so I was like, you know, I was looking for producers to see um, if anybody would be willing to produce me, but I didn't want to want to work with just anybody. I wanted to work with someone that was way more neurotic than me, way more like advanced okay. than me. <laughs> and and I was willing to spend money on it too. And so um, one of the people that I really, that I was really interested in working with that I reached out to was Chris Crummett. And I never, ever thought he would respond to me, you know, like with, yeah, with yeah. like his, his caliber of clientele, like I never expected a response, got back to me in a couple of days and was like, these demos sound really good. Um, I'm not accepting really any clients, but I'd be willing to take you on. And I'm like, yo, let's go. And so <laughs> I, you know, I had to go for it. And so we flew out to Portland. We we did a couple of songs with him. Those weren't great. And then I told him like, hey, I want to I want to put these songs on an album with a bunch of other songs. And so we struck up a deal. It's like, okay, I'll come back in a couple of months and finish the album. And so I went back um, in January of 2022 is that 2022 is that this year and i think no it was the end of last year so i went back right. to the end of last year 2021 to finish recording the album and i was sick dude i was sick i was sick during the vocal takes so so <laughs> oh, all of those songs and this, this is a really funny story all of the songs that you hear on there except for signing out use me and runs on guild i was completely sick singing all of those parts and there's a couple of parts that like I remember hearing like when he was sending back the mixes to me I'm like oh I need you to cut like this frequency because I can hear my nasal like my my sinuses in that in that take um and so one of the one someone came up to me the other day like after uh after one of the shows and they're like dude like you're your voice sounds so much different from the record. And I'm like, yeah, because I was I was sick when I was recording them. And so like there's it was like there's weird level of like snotty rasp that I couldn't reproduce in real life unless like, you know, like I get the proper snot. Um, right. Yeah. And but although one of the cool one of the nice things about nice things, one of the redeeming things about being sick was that like, dude, I was so exhausted and just like fucking over it that I like was so like there was no self-consciousness like when i was because normally like I'm, I'm i'm a little bit shy like um as a singer um dude i was just so burnt out that i'm like i don't care how i sound i'm just gonna get this done 
And sometimes that helps because like I actually yeah, got right. some really good performances from just not giving a shit. On your TikToks and other interviews, you've shared a like incredible story about your brain tumor and how oh, yeah. that almost, you know, that almost made you not be able to pursue music. Can you kind of tell us like about that and maybe how that experience around like when people were, you know, people reacting to you, maybe yeah. not just your personal experience, but how that reaction to you happened uh, and kind of go from there. Yeah. So, man, this is this is a story. If you're ready for a story, I got one for you. This is actually several <laughs> stories combined. I had lots of stories. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, so let's start from. Let's start from 2016. I was in grad school. Um, I went to Berkeley College of Music for guitar performance mm -hmm. and this was like a master's program in Spain or whatever. So I was abroad in Spain. And um, to add more context to this, this was a couple of years, after, actually one year after I had broken up with like my longest term girlfriend at the time. And so it takes a long time to get over a six-year relationship. And sure. so one year into our, like one year post breakup, I was, I was lost, you know, I was like, I, I was planning on graduating from school and, and possibly like, you know, moving to live with this person and then the breakup happened. And then I'm like, I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't, all of a sudden my plans for the next year, five years, 10 years were just gone. Right. Mm. And so I didn't know what to do. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to grad school. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to grad school abroad. So I, I went to Spain to get my master's degree. Um, and while I was there was when I was experiencing the peak of the symptoms that led me to to discover that I had a brain tumor, right? So yeah. one of the things about this brain tumor is that the the way that it affected my body it was causing changes to my body over a very slow period of time. And, and I want to say these changes probably started when I was like 18 years old. Um, and I discovered the brain tumor when I was like 24. So like maybe six years of just unadulterated fuck upness from the tumor and um the things that i was noticing over time were like one joint pain i had like crazy joint pain um my joints were getting weakened for some reason um my jaw was starting to grow out. i actually um started developing an underbite which was really strange right because like yeah. post puberty your body's not supposed to really change like that um i was growing taller uh post puberty not supposed to happen um, I had like extremely high levels of stress, just like I, I, I think like my body was in a state of like fight or flight for like, just forever for long, long periods of time. Um, and I was gaining like crazy amounts of weight that like was just unexplained that I couldn't work out. Like I couldn't work it off no matter how much I dieted, no matter how much I worked out, like I wasn't shedding any weight. Um, and all of these things in isolation seem completely unrelated to each other, right? As mm -hmm. one would assume, um, different parts of your body, you know, like all this stuff. And so I was just like, I, and of course I had crazy headaches and jaw pain. So like, I was like, something's from stress, something's from something else. I don't know, don't know what it was. Um, and I went to the doctors a bunch of times and they're just like, you're young, you're fine. Like, you're just going, like, you're just having a hard time. Like, you know, you're you just know, going through things. Exactly. Yeah. Here's, here's some ibuprofen. Um, and so it wasn't until I went to grad school in Spain that things started to get really bad for me physically. Um, my underbite was like at an all time, like 
all time worse. It was like, it was so bad to the point where like my teeth weren't touching. So if I would, if I would try to eat something, uh, for example, if I were to bite into a pizza, piece of pizza, I couldn't physically tear the pizza with my teeth. Like wow. just because my wow. teeth wouldn't contact, they would just be like, whoop, like that. And so what ended up happening was like the pizza, I would just like, I would try to eat it and all the cheese would slide off. Like if I tried to bite into a sandwich, like everything would just fall out. You know what I mean? So like, I would start to have to like use a fork and a knife to eat things. And it was also really embarrassing to eat in front of my peers. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't look really good with an underbite, unfortunately. Um, and of course the worst thing is it affected my speech and my singing. Um, just because the anatomy has changed. And so yeah. I was struggling like crazy and I was so self-conscious about it. Um, and I was like, I need to get jaw surgery. Like I need to get this fixed. Um, and so I got jaw surgery in Spain. Why, one, because in the United States it's not covered by insurance because it's considered cosmetic. Right. Um, in Spain, uh, it wasn't covered, but it was significantly cheaper, right? And my mom, bless her heart, sold her car and wired me the money to pay for the jaw surgery wow. Wow. i still i owe her a porsche like i don't i don't remember what car she had but whatever it is i owe her a porsche sure. <laughs> and so she sold her car to pay for my for pay for my my uh my jaw surgery and so i took the i did the jaw surgery in the um the winter of 2016 which was like you know the 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 break between the fall and spring semester mm-hmm. um so i like i didn't even go to finals that week i just like emailed my professors and hey like I have to do a major medical operation I'm not going to be here for finals um they were fine with it um and I got on a train went to Barcelona and uh went in for my surgery by myself dumbest shit I've ever done don't ever ever get any type of surgery or medical procedure by yourself let alone in a foreign country um let alone let alone a jaw surgery (laughs) right right let alone a jaw surgery in a language in a country where you don't speak the language natively, where your mouth is wired shut after the <laughs> surgery, where you can't even talk anyways. So let me fucking tell you about this night. Um, so prior to the jaw surgery, I knew that the jaw surgery was going to be hell because I was looking up, you know, I was looking up a bunch of other cases and other patients and people that went through the process to see what it would be like. And everyone unanimously agrees that jaw surgery is just a horrendous, horrible process to go through. Um, it's, it's a very, very slow recovery. Um, and you not only have, don't have access to talking and speech, but you don't have access to eating either. So I knew that I was going to be on a liquid diet for a very long time. I knew that, but I was okay with that. Cause I was like, I was like, great, I'll lose some weight. Um, like I'll drop some pounds. Didn't really work out like that. Um, and, uh, so like, I, and the thing is like, I was so like, I'm such a type A person that I'm like, I don't care. I want what I want and I'll put my body through whatever the fuck it takes to get what I want type of thing. You know, it's just how I am with everything. Um, and so I was like, okay, like I'll go through the pain and suffering. Like, it's fine. As long as this gets fixed and I can eat and talk and sing, like I'll be fine. Um, was not fine. Uh, was not fine. The first, it was rough, dude. Okay. So I show up. Uh, and the other thing about jaw surgery is that you have to have braces. Typically you're supposed to have braces for a year, get saw, get jaw surgery, and then get break, continue to have braces for another year. Um, I, I was doing one of these like experimental programs in Spain where they bypass the first year of braces. 
they just give you the jaw surgery and then they put braces on afterwards. And there's actually like scientific clinical um, studies that show that this is possible because after surgery, your body's in a state of extreme healing. And that actually allows like the teeth to move much quicker. And so, so my, like it it actually worked. Like my teeth were really straight from, they were able to uh, adjust their braces and get me like pretty straight teeth within like a year, which would have been four years of braces just because of the surgery. Um, Does that make up for the fact of how horrible this experience was? (laughs) So, so basically I, I train over to Barcelona, right? And I know, again, I know that. I'm going to be on a liquid diet and I know that it's going to suck and I know that I'm going to be by myself. And so the way that the surgery works is I check in for the surgery um, the night before, do the surgery. I stay for one night and then the doctor wants to see me in a week after post post surgery. And so for me, I was like, it would be silly for me to get on a train, go back to Valencia, wait there for four days, get back on a train, go to Barcelona and see the doctor. That probably would have been the best scenario but i for some stupid reason was like you know what i'll just stay in barcelona for a week so i got a hotel room down the street (laughs) from the hospital that i was getting surgery at by myself uh and i was like okay i'll be great like i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna pack all these liquid foods and and liquid things to like keep me nourished and stuff like i I had a bunch of insure you know like the nutritional drink insure Mm -hmm. yeah except uh I knew I was like, oh, wait, I can't carry like two cases of insure with me on the train. So what I need to do is get one of those giant powdered bottles, you know, just like mix it in myself and make make the drink out of powder. I didn't count on the hotel room having tiny shot glasses as their only like cups. Okay. So, oh, no. So what I ended up having to do was like a 12 ounce like serving of insure took me like an hour of like, <laughs> like one ounce of water. One scoop, mix, drink. One ounce of water, scoop, mix, drink, right? That's basically what I had to do for an entire week. Um, that sucked. But so, so, but going back to the actual date of the jaw surgery itself, like I remember, I remember checking into the hotel or the, the, the hospital and, um, you know, I'm like on the phone with my mom. It's a time difference. She's, she's in the United States. So she's like, you sure you don't want me to come see you in Spain and stuff? I'm like, I'm like, you, we literally spent all of our money on this surgery. There's no money for a plane ticket. And like, even if, even if we had the money to fly you out here for this, you wouldn't know where to go. Like my mom is not good at English, let alone Spanish. So like she would have just gotten lost in the Madrid airport. And then, and then I would have had to like leave my hospital bed to go find her like (laughs) at the Madrid airport, which is just not. So I was just like, no, stay home. I'll be fine. I'll survive. Do the surgery. And I wake up the next morning in the hospital bed. And the first thing I notice is my mouth is completely different. It's numb. I actually don't feel any pain at all, but the positioning of everything was, was just different. And it felt so wrong. Like I could tell that the bite was actually correct. Like my teeth, my front teeth were above my bottom teeth. All that stuff was right, but it felt wrong. And not only that, but like my mouth was completely wired shut. Um, so like they had like literal wires closing my mouth together. And the reason why they do that is so for the jaw surgery, what they did was they they broke my top and my bottom jaw into six pieces. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> they removed some bone from the bottom one. 
rotated it slightly, pushed it back, and then brought the top one forward a little bit. Okay. And then they screwed everything in with titanium plates. Um, and then they wired it shut. And the reason why they do that is because your muscles, like the muscles around your jaw have gotten used to the position that they're in. So if you don't, you know, use titanium to hold it in place, then your muscles will actually force your jaw back into its original position, which was the underbite. Um, and so I had to stay like that for like six months. And the thing that none of this was painful at all, because actually it was completely numb and my face is still kind of numb to this day. Um, the worst part about all of it was just the psychological terror of being in a hospital bed by myself and legitimately feeling like I was suffocating. So what happens was when you go through a jaw surgery like that, your blood, your nose just starts gushing blood. That's just what happens when you go through a surgery, like all that stuff, just, you just get crazy nosebleeds because like you're operating in this area. And so like, yeah, we're going to start fucking sure. bleeding. Um, so my nose was constantly bleeding or it would dry up and clog. Right. So I was either, I was either snotting blood or just, just completely congested with dried blood. And so I woke up with a stuffed nose, like, like the most stuffed and dried my nose had ever been unable to breathe through my nose. My mouth and face were so completely swollen that my lips were like sealed shut from the swelling. And so like, I was physically unable to breathe. That's um, like, fucking scary. Oh, it was dude, it was terrifying. I was like, I was literally unable to breathe. Um, and my teeth were wired shut too. So like there was even less of an air gap for like air to come in and out of. Yeah. And so I remember the nurses coming in and out and like asking if I'm okay in Spanish, by the way. And one, not being able to respond because I literally can't speak. And two, I can't find my phone, so I can't even Google Translate. So for the first like hour, I'm just like silently, like shallowly breathing, just trying to make sure I like stay alive or whatever. Um, and, the, and then like the nurse comes in, is like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she knows that I'm like, I start crying, like I'm bawling now. Mm -hmm. And when you, when I start crying, like blood just gushing out of my nose from you know what i mean so like it makes it even worse and then oh, no. and so like she's like she knows that i'm panicking and and so she finally finds my phone and hands it to me and i like i go like i write in google translate i'm like can't breathe and i show her like i can't breathe and she's like she's like oh normal normal and i'm like <laughs> i'm like i don't care if it's normal like i want to be able to breathe yeah and I so like after <laughs> right and so after like after suffering for an hour and just like bawling my eyes out uh she gets one of those oxygen tubes that they just pull off of the wall and sure. just sticks it in my mouth and i'm like oh my god finally and so like i like i stick it in the corner where there's like that little gap behind your molars right. um and so like I'm, i have a steady stream of air and let me tell you the amount of relief that i got from just being able to breathe oh. was like <laughs> no shit you i can know, only I imagine i can't even imagine what it's like to drown but it's probably like terrifying um and so that was the first night and already off to a bad start um the other thing that i didn't mention is that after this jaw surgery you get crazy crazy amounts of swelling right yeah. so the bottom half of my face was so swollen that do you guys know the movie the nutty professor yeah. with with, uh, yeah, yeah. with Eddie murphy i looked like i looked like that i straight up like my head was the size of a basketball and i was so embarrassed to leave the hotel room that I, I I never left. Right. Um, the only time I would leave is like two in the morning when I just needed to get out of the room and I would like put up my hood and cover myself and just like walk around <laughs> Barcelona like that. Cause I didn't want people to see my face. 
Um, and so what, and so we, I, you know, I, I went to the hospital room and I stayed there for a week and they gave me this medicine, reg, like this medicine schedule of like every four hours, you got to take these pills, mix it with water and, you know, sw- whatever and sure. eat it and swallow and stuff. And um, that was rough because one, I was told that I shouldn't lay down flat because if I sit up, the swelling goes down faster and I wanted to get rid of the swelling as fast as possible. Sure. Um, so like I was trying to sleep sitting up not very possible to do when you're you know like suffering like that you can't breathe and then uh having to wake up every four hours to like take my own medicine mix my own stuff and that shit sucked man and so after a week of that i went back to the doctor and he was like yeah you're fine i could have stayed home the entire time and but instead i like tortured myself for a whole week for no reason and so moral of the story is do not go get any type of surgery by yourself, no matter how minor, <laughs> no matter how minor or major the surgery is. And this is, I hadn't even like known, I haven't even discovered the brain tumor yet. This was okay. just a jaw surgery. Little did I know that this underbite um, and all of the other like physical ailments that I described earlier were all caused by the brain tumor. And so... Fast forward after the jaw surgery, a couple of months, um, I'm at the point where I I almost drop out of school after this um, after this jaw surgery because I had just gone through so much like trauma, like mental, physical, emotional trauma that I'm just like I don't know if I just I don't know if this is for me. Like I don't know if I can, you know, do music anymore or whatever. Um, and I didn't know if I should keep going. And so I was fighting myself over the break. I'm like, should I go or should I not? Should I go or should I not? And so I decided that if I were to go back into school, I would stop. <laughs> I was really insecure about w- what I decided to do with my music career. Mm-hmm. Um, what I realized now, looking back in hindsight, is I spent a lot of time playing guitar, practicing guitar, like getting really good at guitar. Um, to cover up for the fact that I was scared to write my own songs. Okay. Um, scared to sing, scared to be an artist. And um, I, when I initially decided to go to grad school, the whole point of that was for me to develop myself into an artist. Right. But instead, I fell into old habits and was like, oh, no, I'll just play guitar for other people, even though I hate playing guitar for other people. Um, and it was just because I was insecure of being an artist. And so I, after the surgery, I'm like, fuck this. If I'm going back to school, I'm going to like double down and branch off and do my own thing. I'm not going to play guitar for other people anymore. I'm not going to engineer people. I'm not going to produce people. I'm just going to focus on my own thing. And so when I went back to school, I started writing my own music again for the first time ever. And, uh, you know, I had to record my first EP with like literal like literally recovering from jaw surgery and and it was really tough like it my mouth was completely different everything felt different um some of my nerves were like shot and so like i basically had to like relearn how to sing i guess um i had to i had to relearn how to like you know get different tones out of my voice and get different pitches Mm -hmm. and stuff um all it was a struggle took a long time Uh, and i'm still working on it um and so I went back and I started working on like my own music and stuff and fast forward to like the end of the year, I'm about to graduate. And uh, I would say like a week, maybe two weeks before graduation, I started having 
vision problems. Like my peripheral vision was kind of blurry. Like this area was just like kind of really blurry. And at first I thought it was an eye infection. I thought that like, oh, maybe I just like need to change my contacts or whatever. Um, I would change my contacts. Nothing, nothing fixed it. And I'm like, okay, this is weird, a little concerning, but maybe it really is just like an eye infection and I just need to go see the eye doctor. Sure. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to graduate in a couple of days now. So I'll graduate, fly home, go see the eye doctor. I need a new prescription anyways. So I'll just knock out two birds with one stone. So I do that. I graduate, I get the degree. I fly home back to Pennsylvania. The very next morning is when I have my eye appointment, 11 a.m. I remember this day very specifically. This is this is the day, and um, so I have timestamps for you too. So my my <laughs> my I, the eye doctor is eleven a.m. I show up, you know, I, I go through like the whole you know the whole process. They puff air in your eye and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I explain. I, they're like, "Is there any problems? Anything you want to talk about?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm like having problems with my vision. Like my peripheral vision is really blurry, and I don't really know what's going on. Maybe it's an infection or something." They're like, "No, it doesn't really seem like an infection. I would have caught that earlier." And so they're like, well, we, what we could do is this thing called the field of vision test. Um, and it's just basically a way to like kind of narrow down what the problem could be. Sure. And I was like, okay. They're like, yeah, but it's an extra $50. I'm like, oof, maybe not. And because I just got back from the, from, from Spain and. Well, right. You only got yet. so much money. Yeah. yeah. That too. <laughs> but like, I, I also haven't had insurance in the U S for like two years. Mm-hmm. So the day after I get back, like I, yeah, I was wet. I was expecting to pay for the eye doctor out of pocket. Um, but I didn't have medical insurance yet. So I almost said no, but I, I was like, you know what? Let's just, let's just do it. Like, why not? It's probably going to be helpful. If I hadn't done that, they would have never found the tumor. So thank goodness I did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do the test and they're like, yeah, so it looks like there is something that's behind your eyes. That's causing a lot of pressure on your optic nerves. We don't know what it is, but you need to go to the ER right now and get an MRI like right now. And I'm like, okay, it's weird for an eye infection, but okay. And so I like, I like, you know, I get out, I, I get out of the appointment. I drive myself to the hospital, which I probably shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have been driving at all. Oh, um, no. Nope. <laughs> and I get to the hospital and like, they wrote me a note and everything. And they're like, oh yeah, they'll see you right away. Cause I'm writing you a note. Didn't do shit, dude. I get into the Never ER. Does. No, I get into the ER, I show them the note. And I'm like, okay, yeah. It's like, they said I have to get an MRI like right now. And they're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, go sit down. Yeah, and I wait for nine yeah. hours, oh, nine no. fucking hours oh, for no. anyone to call me. This entire time I'm like waiting and waiting. I hadn't eaten anything. I was just like, I don't know why I waited so long to eat because like by three, three o'clock, um, I knew that it had been, it had been like four fucking hours. I've been waiting. I was like, oh, I should have just eaten, but I was under the impression they could call me any minute. So I didn't want to get any food. Um, and so. That's how they get you. Yeah. And so I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally by like maybe 10 o'clock PM at night, they finally call me in to the ER or to, to the, to the room or whatever. And they ask me like a bunch of questions, like your typical questions. Do you smoke? Do you drink, et cetera, et cetera? I'm like, no. Okay, explain your problems. Yeah, the doctor said I have problems with my vision. I don't really know why, but they told me to get an MRI. And they're like, hmm, that's interesting. Then they start like, then they take blood tests from me. And they get the blood tests back. And they're like, these blood tests are a little interesting. Let me ask you some more questions. And they start asking really weird questions. They're like, 
have you ever lactated from your nipples? And I'm like, no, but what does that have to do with my eyes? They're like, don't worry about it. I was like, well, they're like, <laughs> I want, no, no, wait a minute. <laughs> um, and the next question they ask, what is the next question? Um, they're like, they're like, oh, um, do you ever feel like, you know, joint pain? I'm like, actually, yes. For the past like six or seven years. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and they're like, um, you ever notice any like sudden changes in weight? I was like, yeah, for the last six or seven years. And so like start asking these questions that I'm answering yes to that I still don't think have anything to do with my eyes. Um, and they finally get around to, okay, we should get you into an MRI. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to eat. And so I tell them, strap me up, put me in the machine. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> They're like, okay, great. Do you have any like metal or anything in your mouth? I'm like, no, well, I had jaw surgery and there's like metal in my mouth from there. They're like, okay, well, we still have to inject you with this thing called contrast. So I don't know if any, either of you have had MRIs before, uh, but sometimes they, they inject you with contrast, which is literally something that they do to dye your blood vessels to make it change into a different color so that it shows up on the MRI. Sure. Yeah. They can see it better um turns out i'm allergic to that oh no and so i'm in the machine inside this freaking tube and i start breaking out in hives like everything is itchy like my neck is itchy my face is like bumps all over it and they immediately pull me out they're like dude we didn't know you were you were allergic to this i was like i didn't either i've never had an mri mm -hmm. and so they pull me out and they're able to get some of the images right um but i'm like were we able to find anything as I'm like scratching myself with the bloody hell. And they're like, they're like, yeah, this um, it looks like there's a four centimeter lesion at the base of your brain. And like, I just like freeze. I like, like mentally check out, like everything yeah. just drains from my face. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, what, what does that mean? What is a lesion? And they're like, it basically just means that there's something there that shouldn't be there. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? And they're like, we don't know. Uh, we need to run some more tests, get some more images. But it could be a couple of things. It could be just spinal fluid that needs to get drained. It could just be um, a, what they call an adenoma, which is just a benign brain tumor. Sure. And then, uh, then they said it could be cancer. And they said the C word. And I like, I just law, I just completely checked out. Um, and so what ended up happening then is my mom was in there at the time and you don't want your mom in the room with you when they tell you that you might have cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's um, how you get your answers, man. Yeah. Mom. My mom, my mom immediately starts bawling and leaves the room. And, um, because, she just she just heard that, that her son might have brain cancer, you know, yeah. um, and I don't know what to do. Like I don't know how to comfort her. I don't know how to comfort myself. Like I, you know, it's really scary. It was, it was probably the scariest moment of my life. Um, I remember calling my dad, telling him, "Hey, like they found a brain tumor. They don't know if it's cancerous or not." Um, and my dad is the type of person that always has something to say. Like he always has like, you know, some sort of advice or something to tell you. And he was just like, oh, okay. Um, when are you going to find out? Like, what are they going to do? And I like, I didn't have any answers for him. And it was like 
the most silent I'd ever heard my dad ever, like yeah. just speechless. Yeah. Um, that was more uncomfortable than anything, having to tell like my friends and family that like, hey, there's a chance I might have brain cancer. Uh, so that that part sucked. And I remember like, mm-hmm. and then so like I remember asking them, I was like, hey, like, how do we how do we rule out cancer? Like, what do we do? Like, well, we have to get more tests done on you. We had to get another, we had, we got to do a CAT scan, all that stuff. And um, I was like, okay, great. Let's go throw me in the machine. They're like, well, we can't because you're allergic to the dye. We don't know what else you're allergic to. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I want to get this. I want to rule this out right now. Like, I want to know that I'm going to be alive tomorrow. And they can't do that because, you know, they don't know if I'm going to freaking suffocate in the machine from this allergic reaction. Sure. Um, and so what they had to do was inject me with pre, pre-medication and like basically like a liquid form of Benadryl. And they had to let it run in my system for eight hours before they can do more scans. And so I'm like, okay, great. It's like midnight now. And I'm like, so we're not doing anything for the rest of the night. Can I get food? Can I like order room service or whatever? Because like, it's a hospital. They're, they'll bring you food. Uh, and they're like, no. I'm like, what the fuck? I haven't eaten since literally yesterday, actually more than 24 hours ago. And they're like, well, no, because if we find out that it's cancer, we have to operate on you in the morning and you can't have anything in your stomach because the anesthesia you can't have anything in your stomach when you get surgery. So I literally was like, I was like, dude, knock me the fuck out. I was like, give me sleep medication, put something in that IV, just put me to sleep like right now. I don't want to wake up until I'm out of the machine tomorrow. And so like they, they obliged, they, they knocked me the fuck out yeah. um, and then like woke up the next morning, did the machine or whatever. Obviously it's not cancer. I'm still here. Um, so we find out that it's not cancer, but what we found out was it was a tumor in my pituitary gland, which oh. is the gland of your brain that basically controls all of your hormone production. And so what I found out was that my body was producing extremely high levels of growth hormone. And so the disease is called acromegaly, which the slang term for it is gigantism. Okay. Um, and so left unchecked, I would have been Man. gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that's how punker in the land. I know, yeah. dude. Right. Um, but what ended up so so that's what caused the uh, the underbite. It's literally what caused my jaw to grow out. Um, wow. It also caused me to grow a couple of inches, which was nice. But the downside of that was that because it was after I had gone through puberty, after you go through puberty, like your, your joints and your, your, your platelets are done. Like they're not meant to like be, to, to, to stretch or separate. So like my body was growing, but those ligaments and those platelets were like, no, we're, we're staying right here. And we're done. Yeah. And so that fucks up my joints really bad. Um, so that was what caused all the joint issues. Okay. And uh, because hormones, so I had really high levels of cortisol all the time, which is the stress hormone. So my body was, phys- I was literally stressed all the time just because my body was overproducing that hormone. Uh, I wasn't producing any testosterone at all. So like I was gaining weight because of that, like crazy. I was unable to lose weight because of that. I was also depressed because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like just a million things, my thyroid stopped working. So I don't have like, so now, uh, so we had the surgery for it. We got the surgery done. Um, it was a couple of months after we found out that we had the tumor and when they removed the tumor, this is, this is actually one of the craziest things is I remember 
going into like going in to get the surgery. And I remember them wheeling me into the operating room. And then I didn't wake up until I was getting wheeled out back in the hallway. And I remember waking up and I remember seeing like them wheeling me past this orange couch in the hallway. And it was the brightest orange I'd ever seen. It was so vibrant. And then I realized that I could like see like full, like full spectrum. Oh, I could sure. see. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like my peripheral vision was gone, but like what I didn't realize was that this, this tumor was so big that it was like obstructing everything. And so like colors were more vibrant. Like my field of vision was wider. Everything mm -hmm. was more clear and focused. And I like had no idea. I just thought it was like my, my peripheral vision was fucked, but like, it was so gradual. Like I didn't realize that like everything was really gray to me. Sure. Um, and so that was one of the like craziest like experiences just waking up and being able to see um and that being the reason that i even discovered that i had this brain tumor in the first place and so now um i'm under a fuck ton of medication like just it's and it's like it's you know they did what they could they removed the tumor successfully but like the damage was done type of thing so it's like yeah You've i'm been on, like, dealing with it for like, years forever so yeah. yeah exactly so so now i have like i'm on medication that i have to take every single day like some of it some of it's like pretty like casual like if i miss it i'm fine i just gotta re-up other ones are not so like if i there's like two medications that i have to take every day and if i don't take them i could literally pass out and die which is the dumbest thing like why does your body do that to you i don't know um i don't know um and i've actually had i've had a couple of close calls um from me just being stupid and forgetful and neglecting my health sometimes which i'm known to do apparently um so yeah that's that's it's a sometimes scary thing and you know at this point like it's maybe three years since my surgery so at this point it's really all automatic for me um but i do get some data i do get some reminders that are really scary like sometimes if if i go through if i go for more than too long without taking my cortisol medication because my body doesn't produce cortisol anymore mm -hmm. um i will feel really weak but i okay. won't feel and i won't know why and I'm, i don't know why i don't make this connection more often um and i i'll literally just pass out and have a seizure like if i don't like take it um wow. and that happened to me once during the pandemic um my own fault of course because i just forgot to take the medication right. um it's just you know something that i just got to keep gotta gotta do for the rest of my life that part is annoying yeah wow that's quite the uh <laughs> yeah that's that's, that's quite a, a block a block of life you went through there yeah i i, I have so many stories it's it's kind of crazy i i don't know how i'm still here to be honest just, just you're meant to be that's the, i guess that's <laughs> i it. guess yeah, that's i'll take that that's, yeah that's what you got you're meant to be so one of the things you had brought up in that story is those you had came back, you started working on music. So I'm assuming that when you're starting working on music, you were working on your, your first album, which was called nostalgia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a, a, a bit about your introduction to the pop punk emo scene? What made you want oh, to yeah. be a pop punk artist? So, okay. So here's another thing too. When I growing up, I I lived in a very, very urban, urban setting. Like I went to a city school. Um, and so like at my school, there wasn't really very many people that listened to anything in the rock or punk genre of music. It was very mm -hmm. much hip hop and pop and R&B. Right. 
And so I was a very closeted guitar rockhead. Sure. Um, and there was never like, you know, I was never in any bands in high school because there was no one to be in a band with. Right. Um, mm. And so um, one, I think the first, like, I think one of the first things that really got me into pop punk was story of the year. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And okay. my cousin loved story of the year. And he, my cousin doesn't really like pop punk music. He just, for some reason, really liked um, a couple of their songs. He would play them every day, like every morning. Right. Um, and so like, that's like my first introduction. I would listen to more story of the year. Um, I got really into a bunch of, you know, the John, the John Feldman produced bands like the Goldfingers. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, the Paramours and the MCRs and the Fallout right. Boys, the Panics. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I have played just about every single My Chemical Romance song. I've learned every single song at this point. And I performed it at least once, like whether it was like senior recitals at school or like cover songs and stuff. Um, and so in high school, I was obsessed with My Chemical Romance. Um, okay. And, you know, I played the hell out of their songs and I I wanted to be Ray Toro so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much how I got started with, with uh, like, you know, pop punk music. So very, very much the 2000 emo pop punk. Mine was, mine was Green Day, you know, I was... Oh. It was nineties. And plus, I mean, like I'm not very good at guitar and you don't have to be super good get to, at guitar to play green day. Especially nineties green day. Yeah. Especially nineties green day. <laughs> I Absolutely. think the first, the first green day song I ever learned was holiday. Okay. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Song. I, mine was, mine was basket case. You know, oh yeah. 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 Yuki. So like, I, I mean, I remember when that album came out. So like, that was like one of my, first introductions to pop punk music oh, yeah. so matt what about you what was yours my first introduction to pop punk music yeah it's the 2004 uh catalyst album by newfound glory oh, i, I still i still remember going to target and buying that cd you bought it you bought a cd wow i did i, did. I was i was bad. a young I child i don't know if i've ever bought a cd Oh, I have so I don't think many I ever CDs. owned it. <laughs> I was one of those people that like don't see me pirated music and would burn my own songs. I got, I got plenty of those too. Yeah, well, like plenty of yeah. mixtapes. I've got I've got tons of stuff like that, but I mean, I like I'm I'm an old boy here. You know, I I came from the the like I, I was around before there were CDs. I mean, there was. Like, I still had fucking cassette tapes. I had, I had Dookie on cassette tape. So, oh my God. yeah, Jeez. I'm an old boy, an old soul, as they say. Two two generations of musical formats: Man. cassette, CD, and now we're in streaming. Yeah, I and 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 records again. I remember thinking records were never even going to come back it was so like dead media yeah who's laughing now well it's it's so interesting too because like everything about vinyl records just screams inefficiency right like it's just they're expensive to press they're expensive to ship they're fragile they get scratched easily and the cost of entry is pretty high you got to spend a couple hundred bucks for a record player plus speakers so it's like mm -hmm. In spite of all of that, the pure novelty of vinyl records, it's just, there's just something about 
owning a vinyl record of your favorite artist that just there's just something special about it and right. and mm-hmm. and it's got a different sound it really it does. does it really like, does like you know that's what you know all like you know my dad and all that oh it's got a nice warm sound like it does you're right it does no it, it really does and that there's obviously there's there's science behind that for sure right. like that's a real thing it's it's because of the way that the needle has to the needle moves on the grooves inside of the vinyl and because of the the level that they have to um, master vinyl records too is going to be so much less than digital so because if it's too much the needle just jump off the, the record right. so all of those components plus the sure like every single physical aspect of that machine is giving that sound is a characteristic like everything from the needle to the arm to the wires the transformers like the speakers the components like all of that stuff adds its own character to it whereas like on your phone it's like phone like how much wi-fi do you have (laughs) and then like do you have airpods or not like that's those are like the, the two things that dictate how your sound is nowadays yeah pretty um, much kind of moving moving on in other interviews you you've said you like you've struggled with imposter syndrome yeah. um a lot d- dealing with different parts of your life maybe you mm-hmm. Berkeley or I'm sure going to New York or LA that can also come up how yeah. do you deal with this or how do you overcome that uh I don't know if there's a proper answer for that because I the way that I view imposter syndrome there's there's like two two like trains of thought that I have with imposter syndrome. The one is sometimes imposter syndrome is kind of good because it shows that you're still humble, right? Like it shows that you're still a little modest and you're still humble and you still don't think that you're just like the shit. Um, right. And I think mm-hmm. everybody needs a healthy dose of that, um, not because they need to to have humility and not be a jackass to other people. But it's it's so that you can continue to grow, right? It's right. it's so that you still maintain that hunger to get better. Because yeah. if you think you're the shit, then you're not going to want to get better because you, you're you already going to think you're the best. So there's that aspect of it where I think sometimes imposter syndrome is a little bit helpful. I, although it might not be, that might not be the best term to call it, imposter syndrome. But the other side of that is when it gets to the point where it paralyzes you from doing anything. Right. right. And you kind of have to like straddle the line between like humility and being so scared about coming off as an imposter that you just don't do anything. Um, and I've been in both situations. Um, and the, the end of, at the end of the day, so like imposter syndrome for me usually stems from the thing that you're most insecure about yourself. Like I'm not insecure about my guitar playing at all. Um, I can get on stage and play guitar for hours and like, I'll be fine. Like I'll fuck up, but like, I, I won't be embarrassed by it. However, I am sometimes deathly afraid of singing live. Even though if you come to one of my shows, you won't be able to tell, right? Um, You come to one of my shows, like I, there's like, I, I don't know what it is, but I flip the switch and I just like, all of a sudden I'm really comfortable. Right. Uh, most of the time and um however that still doesn't change the fact that like i'm really self-conscious about my singing sometimes and it comes from the fact that i haven't spent nearly as many hours singing as i have 
playing guitar. And also like I've had like three major surgeries on my head mm -hmm. and in that area that like also affect my singing. And so there's like all these like layers that like, you know, um, affect my, my, my confidence in my vocal ability. Um, sure. and the thing that I do to come up, like to, to get over that is, is a couple of things. One is I'm always trying to get better. Like I'm always practicing. Like I know that, um, when you have spent enough time practicing, not being good at something and then practicing and then becoming good at it, you, you can kind of realize that you can do that with anything. Right. Um, and so like, for me, I know that like, yeah, I may suck at singing right now, but like, if I keep doing this in a year or two, I might be really good. Um, mm -hmm. and having that, like, you know, mentality in the back of my head is something that really keeps me going. Um, because I know that if I keep doing it, it's only a matter of time until I'm good or I'm better or at a level that like I'm okay with. Um, and I, I'm a pretty, like when it comes to trying to get better, I'm pretty disciplined with it. Um, like when I was practicing guitar, like I used to practice like seven, eight hours a day. Like when I was wow. like at my, like in college, like I can't do that anymore. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but back in the day I could do that. And I know that like somewhere in me, like I have the capability if I need to get good at something, I can, um, I just got to put in the work. Right. Um, so, so knowing that I had a capability really does take the edge off of the imposter syndrome because like I may suck today, but I may not tomorrow. Um, and the other thing is that like, I almost fucking died, man. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just yeah. like, it's like when you go through those experiences of like, dude, I thought I was, I was like sending my dad goodbye texts that night in the mm -hmm. hospital bed. Like, I yeah. was, I was like signing out on my life. Like I was like, and I was scared too. Like I wasn't doing it out of like pettiness out of like, Oh, they're going to miss me when I'm gone. It was like, I was legitimately like, I was like scared shitless thinking that I was going to die the next day. And so when you have that type of fear, everything pales in comparison to that. Like no matter how much I told myself, like, you know, we joke, we joke, student loans suck. Like I'm going to go walk into yeah. a street. Like, you know what I mean? Like we joke. Yeah, but right. like when you, when you get, when you put in that situation, all bets are off and things are completely different. And so like having that experience and knowing what it feels like to like legitimately feel like things could end tomorrow, all of a sudden imposter syndrome doesn't feel like a big deal anymore, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, if I have, if like, I'm and so like, that was when I was like, you know what? I want to be an artist. And like, I literally have already almost died before I even got started. Right. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I had mm -hmm. spent a decade in school practicing music learning music playing for other people and the like the the moment i start i decide to do things for myself i'm in the fucking hospital and so like i effectively could have died before i ever even released a song and i'm like fuck that like i don't want to live a life where i'm scared to do stuff right. more and so like those are like the things that kind of you know put things in perspective for me yeah and kind of how you said that that I can do it. I can work for it. I, I know if I need to, I can put the time in. Um, yeah. You know, we read we read that you actually went to a Steve Vai masterclass <laughs> where he talked about manifestation and the law of attraction. Yeah. Do you think that kind of helped like build yes. like this this baseline where you were like, you know what, I'm going to do this? Yeah. So so I have a funny and I have a weird interesting relationship with steve not like actual relationship i don't i don't, I don't know him in real life i wish sure, sure. we collect um, comics we trade i get we, iron man we have Wolverine, we trade you know we have chicken wings yeah. on friday That's yeah right. yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure he's a vegetarian too. um but uh no but like i have this interesting relationship with steve vi where like he was 
my goat. Like he was the great, he probably still is, to be honest, for a lot of people. Um, and I based so much yeah. of my stuff off of him. But the thing is like when I, I went to that masterclass when I was really young, I was like 17 years old or something. And I was, this was before I even decided to do music as a career. Um, I went in there thinking I was going to get like lessons, like, like, this is how you play a dominant, like a, like a, like a hybrid dominant scale on this like string or whatever, whatever. That's what I was ready for. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, he played like two songs, didn't say anything about, it. he was like, uh, he was like, I'm not going to talk about music theory or guitar. You can find that on, on YouTube. You don't need that for me. He's like, what I am going to tell you is how to retrain your brain to think positive thoughts that will continue to attract positive thoughts. Um, and so like his whole spiel is like, you know, there's like an element of spiritualism to it because he's a very spiritual person, but most of it was really grounded um, where it's like anything that you look at can be perceived in a different way, even if it's negative. And so, and his, his, his thing was like the law of attraction of thoughts. So if you think negative thoughts, you'll think more negative thoughts and those negative thoughts will, will attract more negative thoughts. And then you go into this vicious cycle of like negative negativity, negativity, which is basically what depression is. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And, but on the, you know, on the opposite side of that, if you think positive thoughts, you will continue to attract positive thoughts and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that depression is as simple as changing your perspective because there's actual chemical imbalances in your brain that causes depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, it was like hearing him go through his story about like how he didn't start guitar until he was, I don't know, like 12 years old. And when he did, all he did was practice like 10 or 15 hours a day. And like, like when he did that, like he got really good and I'm just like, wait, so all you have to do is practice a lot to get better at things. So I started doing that and I got better at things, you know, and, um, the better you get at something, the more fun it becomes. Right. Yep. And the more fun it becomes, the more positive thoughts you have. And then you're like, wait, if I can do this, then maybe I can do this too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is an element of like that law of positive thoughts, because like, if you do something positive and you're having fun, you're going to continue to have positive thoughts and you're going to want to do more fun things. Um, that will in turn track more fun things. And so for me, it was like playing guitar is really fun. I want to know what it's like to play in front of people, play in front of people. Wow. That's really fun. I want to keep doing that. Get better. Keep playing in front of people. I want to play in front of more people. And so like, at, and then you just like kind of figure out, okay, so like, what is the thing that you think will make you the most happiest? And for me, it's always been playing music live, like touring and stuff. And, um, and so you kind of like, I, I make that my end goal and I figure out, like I work my way backwards. Like, how do I get from where I am to that point? And you just like study. And so I studied profusely, not like academic study. Like I studied other artists. Like right. I studied like yeah. their what career. Are these guys doing? Yeah. Or, or like, this is where they are now, but where were they three years ago? Where did they play? Like, what was their cap? Like, right. Were they signed or were they not signed? Did they have representation? Did they have agents? What were their stream numbers like? Okay, so it looks like at this point in their career, they had these stats. Okay, so let me see if I can try to get similar stats by the same point in my career. And I just do that with everything and everyone that I like, you know, that I respect. Um, and that's just kind of how I like reverse engineered my career trajectory. Nice. I mean, that's that's smart. And the thing is, is like, 
you know, whenever we, we have people that ask us, you know, questions like that all the time as well. And it's, you know, as when I even got to where I am just today, it's like, I looked at people that I look up to, what the hell did you do? Like even learning how to perform live, I looked up shit newfound glory okay yep. well how do they play live yep. well, okay i'll do oh they jump okay i can jump yeah exactly exactly oh, it's okay mm-hmm. if you sound like shit and jump <laughs> oh that's okay i can do that even yeah. better yeah yeah and it's... you know what and that's the thing and sometimes you're better than them at what they do and sometimes you're not and sometimes you can't do that yeah and so like and you know that's always the thing that sucks too it's like for me like one of the things that i like to do is i'm a weird performer like I, I don't think I look very cool at all. And I, I have like no control over the way my body moves sometimes when I'm on stage. Sure. Um, but like when I look up videos and stuff, I look up like, how does Haley Williams perform when she's live? And I'm yeah. like, wait, I can't do that. Like, I don't have that type of body. And I also like, don't, I can't dance that way. Like I just <laughs> physically can't. So I'm like, okay. But what I can take from her is like her energy, her rapport and like the way she controls the crowd. Right. And I'm like, well, what about Gerard Way? How does he perform live? And so, like, mm-hmm. then it just becomes like a hodgepodge of like the yeah. things that I can do, the things that I want to do from other people and stuff like that. And I think that's just exactly how people develop their musical style as well. Right. Because uh, you learn when you're figuring out who you are, is by usually, especially as a musician, is by learning what the people you look up to doing. And eventually, you just become your own. Yep. You know, exactly. you take you take the things that you've learned and just be you. Yep. Because what what are we if we're not just like the culmination of everything that came before us? Right? Because like I, pe- in every love, aspect. In every I mean your parents, but <laughs> like, you are literally exactly. you are literally one half your mom, one half your dad. Right. Like you, that's the least original thing I've ever heard. <laughs> You're yeah. literally clones of someone else. Like none of our us are original. <laughs> exactly. In any form. In any exactly. Form. So if you can like if if I understand that there are people that are extremely original or whatever you want to call it that come that that write music that's like I've never heard of this before and that happens but that that isn't they because learn from someone though like there's exactly. no no one is a hundred percent original anymore and that's okay yeah but you can mm-hmm. always create a new original yep like. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, there, there's no way to be 100% original because there's thousands, thousands of of artists and musicians out there. Somebody's yep. already made this. Yep. You know, I mean, Hollywood can't even make an original movie anymore to save their life. They're all remakes. <laughs> you no, know, it's, no. it's okay. This is where we are. That's Okay. You know, but like music is so great because everybody's completely different and has such a, and what one's person's thought process for could be for like, you could be like, okay, here are the notes to this song. I'm not going to tell you how to play it. I'm not going to tell you. And nine times out of 10, they're all going to be, they're all going to be completely different. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like every person's voice is unique. Like every person's like their playing is like, like their finger size is different. So it's going to sound different on the guitar. Like every guitar, it's different, right? Like, right. like two, the two Fender strats don't sound alike, even right. if they're exact same model and type, it's just the way the world works. Absolutely. And with that, we got one more question for you and then we're going to move on to our next segment. Let's uh, do it. If you, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice 
that you know now that you wish you had known when you were first starting out, what would Oof. that be? Oh man. Uh just just one. You just get one. No, just kidding. Wait, who 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 is this for again? Fans or for like other artists that our, are like looking our listeners, art? which most I would say most of our listeners uh, more often than not are uh are the other musicians. Okay. Don't blow your money on PR. It's not fucking worth it. The only time that is worth it to spend money on PR is when it's too expensive for you to be able to pay for yourself. In which case you should have some sort of label or somebody pay for it for you. Um, because in most cases, um, P and also in today's climate, like PR means nothing. Press means virtually nothing because look at the outlets that are currently like, you know, the outlets that we look at, well, like NME, all press, like, mm -hmm. you know, new, uh, um, new noise and, and stuff like that. Like they're all becoming influencers. Yeah. Like every single one of those channels are influencers, right? So it's not about getting articles anymore. So don't blow your money on press because it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, well, especially, you know, in the age of like podcasts and, and different forms of like media, like you can get yourself out there yeah, for, for free. Just go talk to people. Absolutely. Yeah. And be a human about it. Yeah. Be a straight up human about it. Like being a human to other humans is going to get you way further than like trying to establish a um, relationship, like a, a professional client relationship. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I mean, we get messages, just uh, just even like just as us, you know, as unsigned mm -hmm. pop punk, we get messages, you know, multiple messages a day from people, and I'm so much more apt to like starting conversation with somebody that's like just wants to talk, doesn't just send. If you just send me a link, I'm not even. I'm literally not even gonna look at it. I'm not gonna oh, lie to you. That's the I worst. I will not dude. look at it if you just send me a link. I think that's so rude. Yeah. I think it's disrespectful. It's like just really say hi. Fucking <laughs> say hi to me, Jesus. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's that's the thing that like um, that's the thing that like I've learned the most is that like, you know, everyone always says that the music industry is a connections place, not like a talent place, and that's for the most part, very true. Like everybody is talented. Everybody is talented. It's like everybody can record a hit song nowadays. And that's a great thing. That really is a great thing. But the thing that really sets you apart from people nowadays, from what I'm learning is who you know, how you know them and how often you're around them and how you treat other people really. Um, and it's like, you know, I know people that are um, that are not the, 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 the best live performers, mm -hmm. but they're like playing in front of 20, 30,000 people like yeah. a night. And it's nothing to do with like their talent or their, like their singing capabilities. It's like they, they were ready. They had the right attitude. They were, you know, they were human beings. And sometimes being a horrible human being around the right person can also like net you things. And that's unfortunate. Um, because there's good and bad things about the music industry and there's a lot of bad things too that you know we don't we don't talk about we don't have to talk about it right now but right um yeah, yeah. you know uh for me it's it's always like a it's always a be a human to, to yeah. people because like at the end of the day it's music is something that connects people to people 
it's it's an emotion inducing experience right mm -hmm. like you listen to music to experience emotions and emotions are things that humans experience so if you're going to be a robot to somebody about something that is inherently human like human emotions what are you doing you know it's like it's one thing to connect with a software engineer about coding right right but like it's another thing to be like you know talk to like an a and r person or a manager and be like hey man like like uh uh, check out these numbers right like just right. sending you a link here are the numbers that's yeah. it that's the thing is like i once again i am 100 percent more apt to acknowledge acknowledge you and pursue a conversation with you if you're if you're just a person like if you want to be on our podcast if you want us to check out your music just send me a message and be like, Hey, I was just wondering, Hey, like here, here's a, here's a link. You can check us out. If you send me a giant email full of your so-called accolades, our accolades, I, I'm, it just looks like you're gloating to me. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and to me, I'm not interested in that. Like, I don't, I don't and like that. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. And there's a time and place for that, right? Like right. there's a time and place for that. Um, and it, it's knowing when, when to do that, right? Like I like to call that like the resume, like the, the job application. Because sometimes like when you're pitching to people, you do have to like frame it. Like I'm pitching like myself as an applicant on a job. Like here's sure. my resume, here's my numbers, here's all that stuff. But, but if it's like something like this, where like, you know, that the product is you and the person on a podcast, having a normal conversation about things like humans do, then that's probably not the best way to introduce yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Because like, inherently, you're going to end up on a podcast speaking like this, having a conversation. If you can have a normal conversation through email, why would I want to have a conversation with you in real life? Right. Agreed. And you know, all those points, fantastic. So with <laughs> that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our next segment. Pat here with Unsigned Pop Punk. We're a community dedicated to building up the music scene by shining a spotlight on up-and-coming bands. Now, I know what you must be thinking. These guys must be raking in the cash. Wrong. But you can help us help others by picking up some merch. We found what big business is selling shirts for, and we slashed the prices. We saw what people are charging for sweatshirts, and we windmill kick those prices in the face. So pick up some merch from us today. You won't be mad you did. And we're back. You know, uh, we've that first uh, half of the show was very deep, very, a little very, heavy. Very heavy. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 it's no, good. no you don't know, we, To be, I mean, we we asked the questions, man. We knew That's we were true. getting we into. Wanted that. That's what we wanted. <laughs> we're ready. We this was it deep. <laughs> this was in depth. I'm hoping someone cried. Oh no, they should. I hope someone did. I if someone, if somebody deep. cries, please let me know. I'll I'll, I'll oh, send yeah. you like a sympathetic T-shirt. I'm in the I'm sure. in the comments. If you've cried, let us know. And let's let's rock talk about it, you know. Yeah. Let's just chat. <laughs> but now we're gonna we're gonna move on to like our next segment. This is an obscure question segment. Um, if you've obviously if you've listened to the show before, we ask some pretty weird questions from time to time. I do think uh, I've got some pretty okay ones 
this time. This first one, we're going to start out a, a little easy, though. Okay. Throw you a softball, get you in there. Yeah, we're just gonna, we're just going to toss a little a little ball, easy swinging a hit here. What is one thing that you miss? You haven't been in LA super long, a couple of months. So, what is one thing that you currently miss most about living on the East Coast? Pizza, mm. pizza, 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 pizza. Oh I, my god! That that's the first thing that I could think of. I was like pizza. Yeah. It's, I, dude, I have been craving a slice of like New York pizza for four months, and I just your, can't. What's the spot? Yeah, what's the, what's the so, spot? All right, so in Brooklyn, in um, the neighborhood of Park Slope, there is this pizza shop called Luigi's, okay. and apparently it's famous. Didn't know that um, when I was living down the street from it. So for me, it was just the pizza shop up the street. Sure. Um, but as I you know, started to go there more often and get a slice every now and then. I noticed that there were always cameras there. There was always interviews there. Um, and I looked it up and this place has won a lot of awards. There's been a lot of movies and stuff. And it's not one of those places where it's like, oh, it was in a movie. So now people go there. It was like, no, people people go there and it's now in a movie because people go there. Is this the um, pizza place from the Ninja Turtles? I don't think so. Oh, man, no. I want to know what that pizza place was. That, um, that slice looked. I'm telling you, dude, if you are ever in Brooklyn, New York, get on the R train, get off at 25th Street, walk up, uh, walk up Fifth Avenue. And I think I want to say it's like Fifth Avenue and like 19th Street or whatever in Brooklyn and go to Luigi's and get yourself a fresh mozzarella slice. That's what they call it. It's called fresh mozzarella. Just cheese. That's it's 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 basically yeah it's basically a margarita pizza but oh okay sure um uh but they had like this this i don't know what to call it but it's almost like this pesto sauce but it's not really pesto okay it's almost like this like kind of green olive oil topping that they like spray on the pizza it's the best pizza i think i've ever had in new york to this I, day i'm oh, you know man. i'm starting to i'm starting to really think about this matt now i i'm starting to think that Starting in season three, we're just going to have to do away with obscure questions. And we're just, this is just going to be our food section. Dude. <laughs> the, I mean, we were talking about wings earlier. No, no, for Man. real. I can't even express how many questions in the obscure questions are just always about food. Like I mean, every, yeah. and, and I would say at least a good 40% of them are Taco Bell related. Oh, I love, dude. <laughs> Dude, moving here, I've had more Taco Bell than I've ever had, and it's what, because I have a car. What about Del Taco? Have you have you Del Tacoed yet? No, I have, and I have not been a, not a fan. No, I See, I know it's a it's a it's a famous like California place, but I've never been there, and I know that it's like famous for being really bad. It's 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 comically bad. It's it's comically bad. <laughs> For it's comically it's comical because it still exists when Taco Bell is right there, right? Right. I, I mean, it's, they do they have to have something redeeming, right? To be open I don't know. for I haven't at had least it yet. thirty four years. I think it's. I almost I almost want to say it's cheaper than Taco Bell, but Taco Taco Bell is dirt cheap. Yeah. So like, I don't really know. Um, okay. I haven't had anything good from there. There are like, like things are edible, right? Like, yeah. like if there were no Taco Bell, 
I would be okay with getting Del Taco every now and then, but there's literally no excuse. Like I mean, Taco Bell does everything that Del Taco does, but just better. And and not only that, but in in you know California, you, you've also got Jack in the Box, right? There's Jack yeah. in the Box. So I mean, if you're not going to go to Taco Bell, you might as well get those fifty cent tacos from there because those are yeah. gotta those gotta be better than than Del Taco. Del Taco oh, ones, I haven't Jack had them yet, dude. Oh. Jack in the Box tacos are fucking great. <laughs> really? I gotta try I, them. Uh, they're uh, they're okay. Oh, they're oh so man. <laughs> I, yeah, I I heard that they're they're great in a horrible kind of way. It's like yes, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Like you don't get go there and you're just like, "Oh fuck, yeah, this is like a 2 in the morning stop and you're like, I need at least 12 uh tacos and well, dude, really bad tacos." So, there's this like that's not that's also my thing about fast food. It's like when you go to a fast food place, like you're not going there for cuisine. Right. Like you're like when you want a burger, you don't go to McDonald's. Like uh when I when, go to a burger, if I was in California, I'd be going to In N Out. In N Out. Right. Or cuisine. So In N Out's great, by the way. Like it's everything people say it is. Um I agree. It's it's probably the best fast food burger I've had. Um I would Hands down. I would say it's very close to like Shake Shack quality, yeah, but good like too. Wendy's prices. Um mm-hmm. And that's the real, the real thing about In-N-Out is that it's really cheap and it's mm-hmm. still cheap. I don't really understand. Like you can get a burger for like $4, which is yeah. unheard of. Um, mm-hmm. But like the thing is like, yeah, like when you go to McDonald's, it's because you specifically want McDonald's, right? Yeah. Like McDonald's has its own taste. If right. you want a burger, you go to a grill, you go to a pub, you go to a bar, right? Right. And so like, it's almost to the point where you can't even classify them as burgers or cheeseburgers or whatever you just have to literally call it the brand that it is because they all right. have their own distinct taste mm-hmm. i agree and that's what i realized about pizza here the best pizza i've had so far here is domino's i'm <laughs> quite ashamed to say it like even I... like have you had like california pizza kitchen no, because I was never a fan of California Pizza Kitchen, okay. which is also baffling to me, too, because California has the worst fucking pizza in the country. So why would there be a company based off of that? Makes yeah, no sense I mean, it's me. like, don't get I I would I only bring that up because I I assume that would have to be better than Domino's. But probably I also can fuck with Domino's pretty I hard. I fuck with Domino's, too. But because <laughs> Domino's is its own thing, right? Like when you want pizza for me, when I say I want pizza, I want a slice from the fucking shop down the street in New York. Yeah. When I want Domino's, I want Domino's specifically for the Domino's taste. You know what I mean? Like I never, I never say I want pizza and get Domino's like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Of course. (laughs) So I, I think that like, I think fast food in this country has developed such it's so it's like, it's so meta in the way that it's made and processed and like the taste that it has, like, Mm -hmm. That like one, we're like literally scientifically um fed to crave this stuff because once we have it in our system, like our brain catalogs the endorphins that we get from eating that specific thing. And it's like literally chemically engineered to taste a certain way. Um, and you can go to any place in the country and more or less this, if it's from McDonald's, it's gonna taste like McDonald's, which is mm-hmm. baffling to me. Like how how is a McDonald's in Arkansas gonna taste the same as a McDonald's in Florida? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> right it just goes against the law of nature to be honest um but somehow that's the case and, and so like these these this fast food is like it's gotten so it's become its own thing its own category of food 
Mm -hmm. um so i can't classify like any of those fast food places as like burgers or whatever i feel that nice so you, talk you take about... the, you you take this next weird. Got, this is this is the hardest question you're gonna get asked. Uh oh. Any oh, interview? I don't know. I don't know. My next one's pretty intense though. I'll I'll All give right, him that. It's pretty intense. So you talked about you were in LA. You have a car now. This is a two part question. We're okay. pretending cars are not real, and you have two choices of vehicles for your mode of transportation. Okay. You can either ride a giraffe or an elephant. And what are the advantages or disadvantages of the preferred method you're choosing? Hmm. Okay. I I think I want to go with elephant. Um, because elephants are extremely smart, extremely intelligent. Um, and I think they they're like smart enough to be able to sympathize with humans. Um, so I think a, I think an elephant would just give a shit more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um oh, and no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. A giraffe, a giraffe would be cool, but I don't really know enough about giraffes. Um Plus, like, here in L.A., there aren't any trees that a giraffe could eat from, so it'd probably just die eventually. Like, it's not going to reach a palm tree, right? My, like, my also, yeah. my other thought, though, is the fact, first off, I've never seen anybody ride a giraffe. Now, that doesn't <laughs> mean true. anything, but I've never <laughs> seen anyone ride a giraffe. And elephants, see, plenty of people ride elephants, so you know that they know what they're doing. Now, yeah. I feel like a giraffe, it, it's still going to try and fucking eat from those trees. And I don't think you're going to get any, I think the elephant's going to go faster. So the elephant's going to, or the giraffe's going to be fucking around trying to get shit out of trees with its long ass neck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, very good I, point. I think and it'd also, be a horrible employee. I mean, and also like if we, it's a vehicle. <laughs> if, if we, if we want to talk about animal kingdom shit, like giraffes get hunted down way more frequently than, than elephants do. So, like, I'm not trying to be on a giraffe while I get, like, mauled by a fucking lion, you know? So. Mm -hmm. And elephants no one's gonna got that big-ass tusk that can fight yeah. back. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Got, there's... No, no one's going to mess with an elephant. There's so there's much. no L.A. traffic with the elephant. No. <laughs> People are getting out of the way for that elephant. They don't want they don't want their Teslas scuffed up with those, those tusks. No. Elon Musk does that himself from the factory. <laughs> there you go. So this next, this is our last obscure question. Okay. Uh, this we'll have to see what you think here. So, if it. you could have a superpower, but you could only choose from these three options, mm -hmm. what would you choose? Uh, bonus points if you can give yourself a superhero name off of the power you choose. So, the first one okay. you could either have super eating, so you can eat and digest any form of matter. Okay. Uh, the second one would be you would have the ability to stop all clocks within hearing distance. No, not time. Stop clocks. Okay. Or three, have removable limbs that can be used as weapons. Hmm. <laughs> okay, run, run me through them again. Okay. First one was super eating. Digest any form of matter, uh, ability to stop all clocks, or three removable limbs that can be used as weapons. Okay, okay. I think the first one, super eating. Super eating. Um, yeah, because... Because I don't know what type of world we're in, 
right? In this, this scenario, this I don't know. If we are okay, in. Good. Okay, so there's no situation where I'm going to have to remove my limbs to fight someone, right? That, that's just probably not going to happen. In which case, did I would just carry a fucking gun or something. Did you vote today? Shit, man. <laughs> that's Come fair. On. That is fair. That is fair. That is true. Um, however, uh, it might actually be a detriment to remove one of your limbs to fight someone because then you're just down a limb, right? A, yeah. Agreed. Like, if I remove one of my arms and use that to swing around, like, all of a sudden, I can't block, like, from one side of my whole body, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think there isn't really much utility in being able to remove one of your limbs, unless it grows back. Um, well, you just put it back on. Yeah, and you just put it back on. But then you're just, like, then you, then you basically have no superpower. <laughs> yeah, they're um, just removable <laughs> limbs. You pop it off and fight someone. Uh, what was the second one again? Uh, the ability to stop, stop all clocks. Stop clocks. I, I really can't figure out a way to 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 use that for my own advantage right because like well, i'm like oh like what if i did it? what if you're like super late all the time you know that's true um which i kind of am but um <laughs> this might be it this but, might be on but if you're late but if you're late to somewhere that means you're not there which means you're not in hearing distance of that clock so you can't stop it anyways Ooh. so if you show up late the clock is already late. Like, you know what I mean? Like, unless you could like call someone in the vicinity and like that phone counting as the hearing vicinity of the clock, maybe. Um, so maybe not that, but the eating one, because um, besides the fact that you can literally just eat anything, like that yeah. means you're going to poisons, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you can eat bugs if you want. I mean, we can eat bugs now if we wanted to. If you um, if you got buried alive, you could eat your way out. Eat your way out. Um, you know, assume, you know, assuming that you have like this the teeth strength and the jaw strength to like that that oh. yes. So like yeah. if you can it, the the thing is you can eat and digest any form of yeah. matter. So you you got the jaw strength, you got yeah. the teeth strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that would 1000% probably be the move because you can do that anywhere without like, you know, like all the time, you'll, you'll literally never starve, which is cool. Right. Um, but what would my name be? It's got to do something with my jaw, right? Because I had jaw surgery. I was um, going to say, it, it's nice how it came full circle. We're back. I know, right? <laughs> it, did, it did. It wasn't um, even planned that way, to be honest. <laughs> Damn. I, I can't think of a funny, good name. Like, Some people call me Daro, right? Because because mm -hmm. the my name reads that way phonetically. So like Jaro would be cool, oh, yeah. like J A W R O. Uh, I'm it, I'm pretty it. sure Jaro is like an actual super villain. No but, way, but not like yeah. by jaw. Like it's J A R R O. I'm gonna look it up. Be like Jaro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I thought. So Jaro. <laughs> is uh a star conqueror what <laughs> yeah all right so so i would just be a parody of that apparently um, jaro jaro chiating yeah <laughs> um yeah and, and i wouldn't be conquering stars i'd be conquering like plates big max no, he is a star oh is he a batman villain well i think this one he is not so no, oh, that's Starro. Jaro was like his uh 
I know this because I know I, I know a lot about comics. Um, uh, I think he's like a clone or something of Starro, and he's like smaller. And yes, he becomes like not a Batman villain, but like he's on the Batman team. He wants mm-hmm. he like wanted to become a Robin. Interesting. Yep. Speaking of comics, are you, are you excited for the Black Panther movie? Uh yeah, I am. I I haven't okay. seen Black Adam, and I'm actually more excited to see Black Adam, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I I've heard that the acting isn't very good in that movie. Uh, I just think uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson is probably one of the greatest human beings on the planet. Oh, I basically I support anything he does. Totally valid. Concur. <laughs> so, uh. But yes, um, I I'm I was actually talking to Matt about this. I think yesterday I'm currently going through my entire MCU rewatch. Oh yeah, uh, I'm currently on uh, going through the beginning of the timeline. So starting oh, at, okay, so like, starting at like Captain America, and I'm on uh, Iron Man two right now. Oof, yeah, a long way to go. <laughs> oh my god, so long. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I only started this a couple days ago though, so I'm I'm pretty proud of the fact that i'm like four movie the fourth movie in yeah so which man those were those were those were some days do you remember like just the excitement of i remember seeing like the first iron man and me just like walking out of the theater i'm like this is like come this is like this is something completely different like that was the first like superhero movie to have had that type of impact you know um and then like you know having to wait every couple of years for a new marvel movie to come out dude like do you remember that do you remember like waiting for the avengers to come out it it's what it was wild to the fact that iron man awesome big success and then they're like you know what this is successful let's make like an actual universe about the first the the fact that they took chris evans Robert Downey Jr., Chris Helmsworth, and put them all in one fucking movie was unheard of. It's yes. never it never had happened yet. Never. And, you, and and not only that, but like it was handled really well, right? Yeah. Because like the characters maintained their characteristics and their personalities and like everything that every character did in that movie was in character right and like like oh that's totally something that tony stark would do he's a total fucking asshole that's totally something captain america would do he's a total fucking prude like like and all of those effects like all the decisions and things that they made had consequences that paid off in that movie yeah i mean all like i thought i i was actually gonna joke off of that because when you're like that's totally what they would do and then you would get to thor and it was like and then thor would say something funny and then that's not at all anything thor would never do because thor's not a funny character (laughs) but i loved how they did thor like i i mean like the the mcu has taken everything that uh people who in Joy comic books and superheroes and stuff um and finally gave them everything they've been looking for and asking for for about 50 years of cinema yeah so like everything that mcu has done has never been done before they yep. did it yep i yeah to this day like that 
the whole crossover universe thing it just seems impossible to have pulled off i don't know how they did it well just the same way you do it in comic books i mean you just i mean i guess the only thing is is with actors it's harder because you know you're like you have to get them to be like loyal to this character and be like well yeah. okay you're going to do this for the rest of your life it's not saying you can't be in another movie but mm, you need to you do will this get, yeah you'll get typecasted like yeah. the thing you'll be known for this role for a very long time and it's like it's really sad to me too because like i follow you know like you follow robert downey junior on instagram and stuff and you're like you're like wow like i don't know if he's ever going to come back how can he like mm-hmm. i almost like i don't want him to unless it's like a flashback and even then i don't really want him to you know because i feel like it would just it would spoil the weight i mean uh, they come back in comic books all the time so that's like, true that is I true mean, like this like the the storyline that they're doing right now to where they've they've shown i think that it's going to be in black panther um the new iron man is iron heart yeah, who is Riri Williams? This mm-hmm. happened in the comic books. This is a comic book story arc. Tony yeah. Stark. Tony Stark dies. Riri Williams Spoilers. takes over. Comes back to life. Spoilers, <laughs> man. This is this is from the last like five years ago or more in comic books. If yeah, you right. don't know, there's no spoilers. This is on you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like thinking about the Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire spoilers, man. They oh, they yeah. didn't even put in like the, in the trailers they showed you five percent of the movie. That was wild. I couldn't believe that. Like that didn't. I never thought spoiled. that would have happened. That's impressive. Okay, yeah. okay. No more MCU. All right, okay, no more MCU. <laughs> we, we got we got to we got to end this damn show, guys. Okay, uh, we're gonna move on. Last segment: rapid fire questions. You're okay. just gonna speak from the heart. You're gonna shoot from the hip. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Mario or Luigi? Luigi. Okay, this 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 is the one that stumps most people. We'll see if you can if you can beat it, okay? Are you able to sing to me or Matt? You can look at whoever you want. The Bagel Bites jingle. Shit, I used to know this at some point. Oh, I feel everybody has known this at least. Fuck. Don't give up. You, you got, got this. this. You got this. I can feel your brain is, is working overtime right now. I keep thinking of the baby bottle pop, pop theme. Not baby at all. It pop. doesn't even, the, <laughs> the song doesn't even say bagel bites. Not once. Really? Nope. Damn, I'm at a fucking loss. It's, it's all about pizza. That's a big hint. That's a big hit. Pizza starts out first word pizza. <laughs> ah, dude, I can't remember. Okay, I'm I also second. never liked bagel bites. Oh, I He's, feel so bad for you. That's about to least, unlock a memory. That is for the you. least pop punk thing you've ever. Said. I'm I'm a pizza rolls guy. <laughs> I like pizza rolls. Okay, I'm gonna sing it for you. All if right. you feel it, if you if you remember it, sing along. <laughs> All right. Good. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at supper time. 
When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. Wow, I don't remember that at all. Really? <laughs> Holy shit. Where was my childhood? I remember bagel bites. I, I do remember them. But yeah, I was I was 100% pizza rolls all the way. I I was definitely team bagel bites when I was a kid. I would just pack up is pit put as many on a plate as possible. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's how I was with pizza rolls too, dude. Like well, my yeah, mom would buy those 80, 80 count bags and I would just mm -hmm. like, inhale 30 of them. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm also going to throw this little tidbit out there for, for, for you, for our listeners. Uh, we're not going to get too deep into it, but um, one of my favorite childhood snacks was I, my mom would go to Sam's club and she would get like this big ass box of waffles, like whatever the cheap waffles, like just big fucking box. Mm -hmm. And I would put four waffles on a plate. I would put one pe one chocolate chip into each syrup trap. Each each fucking syrup trap. I would okay. microwave it. I know where this is going. Oh, I, I don't. That's it. I would microwave it. Yeah, and I, mean, I would just fucking mow them. Mm. Mm, delicious. Weird, see, but that makes sense. I I used to do some weird shit. That I was... used to do some weird shit with my food, dude. Um, probably because I grew up Asian, and so like my my family didn't know how to like properly prepare American food for me. Mm. So like there was one time, like in fourth grade, my grandma would pack me lunch. She doesn't know how to make sandwiches. Not really. Um, so one time she packed me a peanut butter and cheese sandwich. I hear that's a thing though. I don't, I, if it is, I'm unaware because I could not eat that shit, dude. One time I, I she packed that's me a thing. peanut Savory. butter and cheese. Yeah. That's like Ugh. the dog's ultimate dream. My dog would I love mean, that. Like, look, I, I'm from the Midwest. Like me and Matt, yeah. hard Midwesterns. Uh, that's probably a fucking thing. Uh, you know, something I've never that is, had it. It sounds disgusting. It does sound disgusting. It's gotta right? be it. I'll bet it's. You know, thing. it sounds disgusting, but probably, but actually, isn't because mm -hmm. I've done this before and I've done it. I've repeated this pro. Peanut butter and bologna. Uh, uh, I've Try never it. done it. Um, Try it. Try creamy peanut I butter, won't. crunchy, whatever, whatever you think is. <laughs> it's fine if you don't <laughs> want to. It's like a poor man's Monte Cristo. Yeah, They're really. Like, now I, I like a slice butter, of Oscar Mayer bologna. I can I can fuck with a peanut butter bacon burger all day. Um, I don't like bologna. It's the same it concept. Is. It's the same concept. Yeah, it's gonna be savory. It's gonna be salty. Um, but my bologna's got a first name, and it don't have peanut butter in it. <laughs> so, That's uh, fair. Okay, totally valid. Back to rapid fire. We got three three rapid fire questions left. Okay. Gwen Stefani or Haley Williams? Haley Williams. Hard shell or soft shell tacos? Hard shell. Final question. Some 41 or yellow card? Fuck. Some 41. That's the correct answer. So <laughs> you did it. <laughs> you did it. You finished hey, the podcast. I made it. Now's your chance. Let everybody know what you got going on. Uh, where can they find you? What is next? Cool. Okay. Uh, what do I have going on? Right now, I'm in hibernation mode, uh, which means I am writing a fuck ton of music, um, which means next year you can expect five songs from me. <laughs> Regardless of the amount of music I might I write right now, you're going to get five songs from me next year. Um, oh, yeah. And 
yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Spotify, and TikTok. Although, like I said, I'm in hibernation, so I'm not very active right now. Um, it's mostly for my mental health because um, all of my friends on social media are doing wonderful, amazing things. All of them are playing big shows, opening for a bunch of big acts, and I am very envious of it in the most healthy way possible. And I'm super happy for them because they all fucking deserve it. Um, but that's going to be me next year. So I'm just saving my social media energy for that. Um, but uh, you can find me at, what is my at? It's at Darrow C, Darrow underscore C. Mm -hmm. So D-A-R-O underscore C. And that is it. That's where you can find me. Cool. So it's just at Darrow uh, underscore C on all social media. On all, on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, yeah, pretty much it. I don't really use any other social media. Ones that matter. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I don't have a Twitter, but I should, I should get that blue check mark, huh? Paid or something. Yeah, you should go. get on that, get on that Twitter. That's where you can say the, uh, the real weird shit. Twitter's oh, yeah. the weird shit social media i love i, I love weird shit that's your, it then there you yeah. go that's where you can say your weird shit because you don't say that for the instagram tiktok nah baby yeah that's, that's where the bologna and peanut butter sandwich is yeah you you save that bologna peanut butter shit <laughs> on twitter twitter that is that is a really about. good point <laughs> you tell that to twitter that could be your first tweet that could be your first tweet first i'll get tweet. a response from elon musk <laughs> trying this right now <laughs> you're, you're It'll just be a picture of you like taking a bite out of this, but like, <laughs> and it, Elon Musk just suspends you right right out the gate, Absolutely. like too far. You have you've gone too far. I'll make a fake Elon Musk account with a blue check mark, Ooh. and then make that tweet. So it's coming from him. There we go. There we go. Sounds good. On that note, thanks so much, Daryl, for hanging out with us. Matt, Thank thanks for, for co-hosting and chilling okay. with me. Uh, Shit, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Please hit that like, subscribe, or follow button so you never miss an episode. And thank you so much to those of you who already are. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else you stream your podcasts. If you're in the position to help us grow and like behind-the-scenes access and exclusive shows, head on over to our Patreon at www patreon.com slash unsigned pop punk let us know in the comments who you'd like to see on the show and what other content you'd like to see thank you all so much